0: Thanks for listening to the Town Hall Review with Hugh Hewitt podcast, bringing to you the best voices on the stories and issues that matter. Helping make it all possible is the generous partnership with the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy. Here's another piece I'll trust you enjoy. So with us right now is someone very special. She does a great job for the New York
1: Post, and she has fled New York for Florida. Can't wait to ask her about that. Carol Markowitz. Carol, welcome to the Charlie Kirk Show.
2: Thank you for having me, Charlie.
1: You are a legend. So tell us, Carol... Why did you move down to Florida? Why did you flee New York? It's so nice.
2: <laughs> it is. Um, so I'm a lifelong New Yorker. So right off the bat, I, I, I'm, I'm not somebody who hates New York. Um, I know New York gets a lot of conservative hate, uh, but I kind of always enjoyed being a New Yorker, a cons- lifelong conservative. I was born in the Soviet Union, so I never really had a problem being open about my conservative beliefs. The Russian community in Brooklyn, it's not just Russians, but it's, it's sort of shorthand. We call them ourselves a Russian community, is very conservative. And so I always had sort of my community and my world in New York that was normal and sane. And it didn't bother me so much that there were so many crazy things going on around New York City because my world was very much like I wanted it to be. And the Giuliani years, followed by the Mike Bloomberg years, really made New York a wonderful place to live. And my husband, who's also a lifelong New Yorker, we were planning to raise our kids in Brooklyn. The long-term plan was they were going to go to college. We were going to retire to Manhattan. Um, We had it all figured out. And then COVID hits. And suddenly, my little world, while they're still sane and thinking that everything's okay... Uh, it is suddenly not allowed to live how they wanna live. Um, now, businesses close whenever the government says so. Uh, schools close indefinitely and very few people speak up about it. Uh, masking of children goes on indefinitely, even though, you know, as, we, as we've learned in the last few days, there's really no reason for it. I mean, obviously you and I and lots of other people knew all along, but as Democrats have discovered in the last few days that maybe masking children was pointless and they finally are facing that fact. Um, so I love New York. I've always loved New York, but it became increasingly a crazy place to be and a crazy place to raise kids. And I couldn't do that to my three children anymore.
1: So you have to explain something to me. You're a lifelong New Yorker. I used to love New York. Now I can't even go to a restaurant because I won't get vaccinated. Um, so it's changed a lot. Can you explain the psychology of a New Yorker versus a Floridian? And I mean that in the sense of, you know from not yeah. just from the mask mandates, but it, it yeah, seems right. as, but but what what is it about New York, which I always consider to be this tough guy city? We're gonna wear it on our sleeve, you know, we were able to persevere through nine eleven, it was amazing yeah. what the city did to all of a sudden yeah. becoming this fear filled, you know, epicenter, and then Florida, the state that you would think would be super risk averse where you have people that are really worried that, you know, their golf cart lights are going to go out in the villages or whatever. It's a
2: concern. Yeah, tell, tell,
1: like, unpack the psych- yeah exactly. Hugely concern. Unpack the psychological difference between a Floridian and a New Yorker. And I, I know we're using generalities, yeah. but it's generally true. So please help me with that.
2: Right. No, I, and I, I feel like I have the answer to that, too. I, I really think that what happened here in New York was that COVID and woke culture collided at the same time. Mm, it was so sorry. Right around the same time that cancel culture really hit its stride, we got COVID. And suddenly you were worried about saying the wrong thing and your neighbor hearing you say the wrong thing or um, your coworkers finding out that you think masks are pointless or any number of things. And I he- heard this over and over and over again. And look, for a long time, I really did understand these people i thought okay i get it you can't speak up you're afraid for your job you're afraid for your like life you're afraid for not not your life nobody's going to come kill you but you're afraid for to lose all your friends and to your community to hate you and all of this because not everybody had this uh ex you know soviet community that supports them like i had and i get that um but what happened is at least in, for me is that the 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 attack on children went on for so long that I could no longer forgive these people. I thought, okay, I get it. You don't want your boss to find out that you think that school should open. Um, but now it's been six months and your kid has not been in school. Now it's been a year. Now it's been 18 months. When are you going to speak up? When are you going to speak up for your own kid? And what was really terrible to me was that so many people, I lived in Park Slope, which is a super left area, super rich area. Mm-hmm, I know. Um, yeah, sure. So many people, they got their kids tutors, they got them pods, they went to stay at their, like, Long Island vacation home and went sent their kids to full-time school there. Um, they moved to stay with family in states where the schools were open. They sent their kids to private schools when private schools finally opened and public schools didn't. But they didn't speak up for the rest of the people. And I just felt like that was so particularly wrong from these people who marched for equity and said that they really cared about you know the underclass and anybody who's underprivileged and uh, yet they did what they had to do for their kid and they kind of left everybody else behind they didn't say a word about any of it they didn't say okay i am now pulling my kid from public school and sending them to private school which a lot of people did um, because private schools were open and I now support school vouchers to have everybody else be able to do the same thing as yeah. me. No, they didn't, they didn't do that. They just sent their kids to private school or got them a pod or a tutor or whatever and left everybody else behind. And that's not the New Yorkers I know. Like you can be left, you can be liberal, but like the New Yorkers that I knew growing up might have been on the left, but they absolutely would stand up for their neighbors. And what had shifted is that you were no longer allowed to speak up. And it's so blatant now that this cancel culture thing um, has seeped into everything, literally everything.
1: That That's a great description of it. You had both the woke infiltration and then COVID, which was kind of a safetyist safetyism regime yeah. that was implemented. Mm-hmm. Cause I remember that New York too. I mean, I remember it was America's city that was attacked by our enemies and came right. together. And it was chapter of heroism after heroism that elected Rudy Giuliani as its mayor. And, right. you know, for all of his downfalls, Michael Bloomberg, you know, looks like a rabid right winger compared to what we're dealing with.
2: <laughs> oh, yeah. Right now. No, yeah. I mean, I would have Michael Bloomberg for another three terms if you wanted. I, <laughs> I totally
1: agree. Yeah. No, I mean, I think I, mean, I don't know if he's a wokey now, but he was unafraid to have more cops on the streets and he was pro charter schools and he wanted the streets to be clean. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. and it was just kind of, I'm going to put New York first and we love our city. And it really is kind of, and you would, you'll definitely appreciate this. Alexander Solzhenitsyn said that it's really thanks to ideology, right? I mean, it's a, and and that's where I'm, I'm struggling. And maybe you can unpack this for me Mm -hmm. or maybe not where, okay, Park Slope. It's really nice right near prospect park. You know, it's right near Brooklyn you know, mm-hmm. it's all the kind of stereotypical, like, Goldman Sachs people that take chauffeured cars, maybe the subway, not anymore, you know, to go work at the Wall Street firm. But, they, you know, they're back by 630 or 7. It's that kind of like it's the suburb, but not really of, you know, um, of New York. I know the area really well. But at what point are they all going to be like, yeah, we're actually living in a dystopia? Like, I, I mean, I, I get the ideologues. I get the AOCs. But someone who yeah. might just be kind of like a Hillary Clinton liberal, OK, who went to Wellesley or, you know, went to Mm -hmm. Fordham and all of a sudden their daughter gets mugged. I mean, when does the ideology ever get challenged?
2: You, you really would think that it would get challenged at that point, but I am still on all the park's little boards and, it really doesn't because again the woke thing has taken over everything so you get mugged it's yeah look it's really bad you got mugged sorry that, that happened to you but you know there are underprivileged people in this world and that really you know your wallet like didn't really matter all that much to you but it really matter a lot to somebody else now you think i'm joking no i'm not
1: i, I actually i'm laughing <laughs> cuz it's true i am not joking
2: so. and you know one of the ones that for me really stuck out so summer 2020 Um, And I, this is a true story. I wish I had kept screenshots because I I was just, it was too much of a crazy time, but I did send this to a lot of people, Um, but it was a, a, a Facebook board and there was a woman who was riding her bike in Park Slope and she's Asian. And she said that this white older couple screamed racial epithets at her because she wasn't wearing a mask. And it was like the perfect Park Slope, like moment of like, which side do we take? Are we anti-racist or are we pro-mask? And so many were like, maybe you should have worn your mask, you know? (laughs) And it was like, are you serious? This woman's telling you that she got yelled at. She was by herself on her bicycle. And, you know, and it was also the stop Asian hate moment, right? It was like, we weren't supposed to talk about that China did this thing and it was being tied to these uh, attacks on Asian Americans in this country, which believe me, as somebody who was a Russian kid growing up in the 80s, I don't approve of um, in America in the 80s. And I I get that, you know, there's a huge division between what China did and Asian Americans in America. But how come we couldn't stand up for this Asian woman who wasn't wearing a mask because she was yelled at um, by, you know, these maskers and these parts of could not decide which side they should be on. It was amazing.
1: Well, it's just like when everyone got super confused when Dave Chappelle went after, you know, the Alphabet Mafia. They're like, oh, no, he can't do like well, He's a black person. Isn't he allowed to do that? <laughs> or it's like when Kyrie Irving was like, yeah, I'm not getting vaccinated. Like, you're a racist. Like, yeah, I, he's kind of a leader of a BLM hey. yeah. uh, it's the BLM thing. It's the ever-changing hierarchy of leftist wants, needs, and concerns. Okay, so we have like a minute left. So just mm-hmm. talk about you, you basically just left your home. Stop. I mean, a Russian yeah. community— What part of Florida Mm -hmm. did you move to? And then I want to talk to you in the last segment just about some other things about New York. Go ahead.
2: So I'm in in South Florida, um, and it's amazing. My kids have not seen their masks since the day our plane landed here. Literally, I don't know where the masks are. Um, They go to school every day. It is so beautiful and so sane. Um, I credit a lot of it to Governor Ron DeSantis. I think a a leader like him really kind of made his path, um, Mm -hmm. showing people the way uh, back to normal. But and I always say this, you can't move to another state for a politician. Anything could happen, right? He could you know lose the next election, which I hope doesn't happen and run for president. I mean, any number of things could are, are potentially could happen and, and take this great leader out of your life anyway. Um, so you can't move for a politician. So I always say I moved because the Floridians showed me, that they wanted normal, that they wanted put, to put kids first. And I see that every single day in my neighbors and the friends I've made here and the community here. It's really, really sane.
1: It's the people. I totally agree. That's a different mindset. And yeah. it's, it's, if you think about it, this is what's so interesting. New York is substantially younger mm-hmm. than the average Floridian. Yet the average Floridian is less afraid of a virus That they're actually at greater risk from. That's right. You have an average thirty-five-year-old weirdo that went to NYU that is triple vaxxed and quadruple vaxxed. Well, that I won't hold that against you. And then you have like an eighty-four-year-old guy in Boca Raton, and he's like, "I'm just gonna love life." (laughs) It's (laughs) you would think it would be the other way around. You would think that New York, where's the Woodstock energy? I don't know. Is it true that your handle is at Carol on Twitter? Is that right? That's right. Would you get Twitter in like two thousand one or something?
2: No, I really wasn't even that early an adopter with the Twitter. I thought it wasn't going to catch on. Whoops, um, but no, it was a, there was a time where you could just like email Twitter and say, "Hey, like I see nobody's using this handle. You know, I, I see that they have it, but they don't use it. Can I have it?" And they'd be like, "Yeah, sure, take it."
1: What a different so. world. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, now, now they would kick you out for such a thing. Okay. Now they would never
2: respond. There's no email. There's no legitimate no, no in with them at all, ever.
1: No, it's the black abyss. It's almost like <laughs> a, uh, it's a pull bureau. So, okay, tell us moms and dads are listening across the country. We talked about New York. Let's nationalize this. What's the yeah. agenda? We have a couple minutes to go through this. You're a parent. You're a mom. You move state to state. Let me ask you two questions. When do you move? When do you draw the line? When's the parent trigger? And if not that, what do you demand for?
2: Yeah. So for me, it was, I saw no end to the insanity. There was no normal, there was no uh, light at the end of the tunnel, even now all these governors are like we're going to drop the mask mandates and some of them are even talking about schools and you know they remember that kids exist in their states um, but very few of them Uh, gavin newsom for example obviously is not lifting anything for schools but new york is still kind of caught in this not sure what they're going to do ever about anything Um, so for me it was like i couldn't do this to my kids anymore i needed to get them out and i know i get emails all the time. It's funny because people say to me like, why do you talk so much about moving to Florida? I get these, you know, nasty comments sometimes, but I can't explain what a a, a, like an avalanche of mail I got over this. And people saying to me, where should I go? I also want to leave. And it's not always New York. I I get mail from all over the country. Um, People saying, I can't take this anymore. I have to get out of here. I have to go somewhere sane. Um, So I, I think everybody has their own kind of barometer for when they can't take it anymore. And I think you have to put your kids first. Um, You have to give them the life that they were promised, which was Mm -hmm. just a normal, sane life. Little things like, I I mentioned this on Twitter a few days ago, but like my son's school in Florida has a book fair uh, next week while their grandparents happen to be in town. So my mother-in-law is going to take my sons to their book fair at their school. I don't know if that happens in 2030 in New York. And I'm not even kidding. Like, it's just, it's not even... It's not on the horizon. It's like not even in in the discussion that parents will be allowed into the school building. And this will all be maskless, but even masks, forget about it. Like, fine, masks. Um, That's not happening in a lot of these blue areas for a really long time.
1: So the used car salesman that barely won the election in New Jersey who calls himself a governor, Phil Murphy, who missed his calling being a wannabe soprano actor. So he said he's let's play cut 51. He announced lifting the mask mandate, play cut 51. There's no question that masking in our schools since the beginning of the school year uh, has been a very uh,
0: smart public health step. I think we've had just over 2,600 cases of students uh, with uh, COVID positive since
1: the beginning of the school year. That's out of 1.4 million kids. Uh, So it's a pretty stark uh, piece of evidence, I think that this has absolutely worked. But that's not enough, is it? But a minute and a half.
2: Yeah, no, I mean, I, the fact that he has absolutely no evidence, in Egypt, there's no question, but there's actually also just no data on this. Um, masks in school have been a complete failure. I, I think that we can look to a lot of European countries where they never masked kids at all um, to see that we did not need to be masking kids in school. Um, I'm glad these governors are uh, finally seeing the political writing on the wall. We have to hold them accountable. I'm a very even keeled calm person, but I'm very serious about this. We cannot let them skate on what they did to us for the last two years because they will do it again and much, much sooner than you might believe. We're going to have spikes again. COVID is here to stay in the summer. We might see it in the South In the winter, we might see it back in the Northeast. They're going to bring back masks unless we make them face the reality that masking was always pointless. The cloth masks we wear, the surgical masks we wear, all pointless. And the fact that they still will have this power over us should be deeply concerning to a lot of Americans. They will continue to use this power against us. They've had a taste of real power, and there's no way to letting it go now.
1: That's right. And you know that your family lived it. And they don't give up power lightly. Carol Markowitz, you have a book coming out, like 20 seconds. Is that right?
2: Um, Yeah, I have a a book coming out in fall 22. Can't really talk about it yet, but, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll be back.
1: Very good.
0: Thanks for listening to the Town Hall Review. Our program is coming today in partnership with the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy. It's America's most unique graduate leadership programs offered on Pepperdine's breathtaking campus in Malibu, California. Learn more at publicpolicy.pepperdine.edu. If you're enjoying the podcast, please tell a friend to go to Town Hall Review and sign up as well today.
3: This is Carol Platt-Lebow for TownHall.com. There have been plenty of smash and grab robberies recently, but what GoFundMe tried to do to Canada's Freedom Convoy takes stealing to a whole new level. A fundraiser hosted on GoFundMe for the Canadian truckers protesting vaccine mandates had raised $8 million. Then GoFundMe tried to claim the protest violated its terms of service, which prohibits, quote, the promotion of violence and harassment, unquote. So GoFundMe announced it would just take the donated money and distribute it to other charities instead. What disgusting politicized hypocrisy. GoFundMe was willing to host Black Lives Matter fundraisers, despite the numerous riots that occurred throughout the summer of 2020. After pushback from Republican leaders, GoFundMe has backed down, promising automatic refunds of all donations. And those who want to support the Freedom Convoy can do so through Gifts and Go. But everyone should remember, GoFundMe tried to keep millions of dollars and direct them far from their intended beneficiaries. It should never be trusted again with anyone's money. I'm Carol Platteleba.
0: The Pepperdine School of Public Policy, America's unique graduate program for leaders. Learn more at publicpolicy.pepperdine.edu